Lord, we, we thank you for these words we've been singing. Spirit of God, my teacher be, showing the things of Christ to me. That would be our prayer tonight. Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit would minister to the hearts of your people this evening. For we pray in the Saviour's name. Amen. Well, some people would say, well, why bother talk about a man who lived a hundred years ago? Why, why bother thinking and looking at Nicholson on a Sunday evening? Uh, why, why not just have a Bible study? Why not just have a gospel message? Well, it's because a hundred years ago, W.P. Nicholson came to Derry stroke Londonderry in this very month, the month of April, in the year 1922. And the Lord moved in a miraculous way. He went first to Clooney Hall Methodist on the waterside for three weeks. Then he moved over to the First Presbyterian Church on the city side for another three weeks. You do know, of course, that First Derry was the scene of uh, a move of God's Spirit in 1859. The Holy Ghost came down and moved in a wonderful way during that year of grace, the 1859 revival in Ulster. And First Derry Presbyterian was one of the churches that the Holy Spirit came to uh, and descended uh, and souls were saved and a mighty awakening took place. And thank God, through his servant W.P. Nicholson, the Holy Spirit returned to First Derry in the year 1922. And wonderful things happened. So it's because of the centenary, it's because of the anniversary uh, that we're looking at Nicholson. That's the reason, if maybe it's in your mind tonight, folks, why, why are we taking Nicholson and considering him on the Sunday evening? Well, it's because of the anniversary. W.P. Nicholson was born on this day, the 3rd of April, in the year... 1876, just outside the town of Bangor. And so there's another reason why we're thinking about him tonight, because today is the anniversary of his birth. You know, Nicholson had many blessings in his life. And one of the blessings was a praying mother. A praying mother. He was just like Samuel in the Bible. You remember young Samuel and his mother was Hannah. And Hannah was a praying mother. We're told about her prayers in 1 Samuel 1 and verse 10. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. I wonder is that your experience tonight, praying mother or praying father? Have you wept sore? Has your heart been broken over a, a, a child, a, a son, a daughter, a, a loved one, a husband, someone that you've been praying for and you're like Hannah 
Well, the Lord answered Hannah's prayers, and I want to tell you, the Lord's going to answer your prayers too. You see, we read in, in chapter 2 of 1 Samuel, uh, in verse 1, And Hannah prayed. So this is the second prayer. First of all, she's praying unto the Lord. She, she's weeping sore for a child, for a son. And now the Lord answers her prayer. He gives her a son. Uh, and now she comes to pray again. But now it's, it's praise this time. It's a note of praise. Listen to her words in First Samuel 2 verse 1. My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. So she's coming and she's praising the Lord now. A praying mother whom God has answered prayer for. Yes, W.P. Nicholson had a praying mother. And as he left Ulster at the age of 16 and spent four years on the high seas experiencing shipwreck along the way just like Jonah and Paul in the Bible his mother's prayers followed him throughout those four years as he was on the sea the sea on the ship the Galgorm castle he always thought about his mother on land back home praying for him and he, after he was converted, he, he, he used to often thank God for his praying mother. As I mentioned, he spent four years on the high seas. After that, he worked on the Cape Town to Cairo Railroad. And during that time, there was an epidemic of blackwater fever. And many, many of the workers on the railroad died. There was a saying that went about at that time. Every railroad sleeper was a white man's grave. You know the sleepers along the railway? Every one was a man's grave. A lot of men died. But Nicholson didn't. Why do you think that was? I think it was because of a praying mother. I think it was because Almighty God heard the prayers of his mother and preserved WP. God answered prayer and kept his hand upon young Nicholson, who, by the way, was living a life of sin and wickedness. He was far away from God. He was a prodigal. He was just living for himself and living for the devil. Down in the very depths of sin and down in the very gutter. But he had a praying mother. You know, he, he tells about one occasion when he was moved to tears, sitting in the Salvation Army barracks in South Africa, listening to a young woman who was singing the following words. Your mother still prays for you. Your mother still prays for you. In that land far away or the ocean, your mother still prays for you. He returned to Ulster in the year 1899. And as he returned, he uh, sent a wire. You see, they didn't have mobile phones, text messages, Facebook 
messenger WhatsApp back then, oddly enough. So he had to wire home and tell them about the arrangements he had made to, for coming back again. The only problem was that he said he would be home at 11 o'clock at night, when in reality he was going to be home at 11 o'clock in the morning. So he made that mistake, and um, there was nobody was waiting for him in Bangor when he arrived. But you know, as he got closer and closer to his parents' home, he began to think of himself as the prodigal son. You know how in Luke 15 the prodigal son went to the far country, but then he came back again. And WP began to think about himself, and uh, he, he kind of looked on himself as the prodigal son returning home again. And you know how in the, the story of the prodigal son, when, when the prodigal came home, his father killed the fatted calf. Well, Nicholson uh, wondered whether his parents were going to kill him instead of the fatted calf. Because of the sinful life that he had lived. But folks, uh, they didn't kill young WP. Because I want to move on now and not only tell you that he had a praying mother, but then he had a profound moment. A profound moment. Whenever he returned home. And uh, as he came up to where his uh, parents lived, he walked back and forward past the driveway. He was in two minds whether he would even go in. And he did this for a while, and he was about to turn and walk away. But then his mother came out of the house, carrying a basket of clothes to put on the washing line. And his mother saw him and she ran toward him. She dropped the basket of clothes and she threw her arms around her wayward boy. And she said, I'm just so glad that you're home. She didn't mention anything about his sinful lifestyle. She didn't condemn him, criticize him for the debauched life he had lived, for what he had put his parents through. No, she was just so glad to see her prodigal son return home. It was a Monday morning, the 22nd of May, in the year 1899, that W.P. Nicholson had his profound moment. Three weeks after he had come home, it was half past eight in the morning, What was his profound moment? His conversion. You see, he was saved, sitting in his mother's home on a Monday morning, waiting for his breakfast. And let me uh, read his own account from his own words of his conversion. There came a day in my life when I became conscious of my lost, ruined, and godless condition. I knew and felt I failed in man's chief end, which is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. This knowledge brought the sense of guilt, shame, and condemnation. 
I became conscious I was under God's curse and wrath. And if I died in such a state, I was lost in hell forever. Religion became no mere matter of deeds, good or bad, forms or sacraments or ceremonies, church going or saying prayers. I was condemned already. If ever I was to satisfy the claims of a holy God and vindicate his righteousness, I would need a mediator and a saviour. One who could enable God to justify me, the sinner, and yet be just. I knew a holy God could never forgive sin. He could, I knew a holy God could never forgive sin. He could forgive sinners for the sake of another and on the ground of what one had done. God could never look with complacency on sin, not even when his son was made sin for us. He cursed him and struck him in his holy wrath until he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It would be inconsistent for God to forgive sin. He always curses it and damns it and will ultimately destroy it in hell forever. All this knowledge shut me in to Christ. I came to the place where I knew that if my zeal could no respite know and my tears forever flow, all for sin could not atone, thou must save and thou alone. It was Christ or hell, not good living or good deeds of any kind that would determine my destiny, but my acceptance or rejection of Christ. All my righteousness, not my wickedness, were as filthy rags in the sight of God. So one Monday morning between 8.30 and 8.45 o'clock, I came to Jesus as I was, guilty and worn and sad, and accepted him as my personal saviour. All my guilt and gloom vanished like the early dew and the morning cloud. My condemnation and fears gave way to peace and joy. The Holy Ghost witnessed to the blood and told me I was born of God. Hallelujah, my heart sang. Happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. He taught me how to watch and pray and live rejoicing. Happy and live rejoicing every day. Happy day, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. The profound moment that W.P. Nicholson experienced his conversion. Folks, you know, there's encouragement there for us tonight. The Holy Spirit is not restricted to a church building. He wasn't restricted to a church building when he drew W.P. Nicholson to Christ because he wasn't even in a church building. He was in his mother's home. So be you encouraged tonight. The Lord is able to move and he's able to save in people's homes, in their own houses. They don't have to be in the house of God. The Lord can move upon them. In their own homes. That's the way it was for Nicholson. Nicholson wasn't saved 
in a church building. He wasn't saved in a gospel meeting. He was saved in his mother's home. So keep praying and God will move. Let me say as well that the Holy Spirit is not restricted to a Sunday. He can move the other six days of the week. W.P. Nicholson wasn't saved on a Sunday. And the Holy Spirit's not restricted to half eleven on a Sunday morning or seven o'clock on a Sunday evening. He can save at half eight on a Monday morning. And that's exactly what he did uh, for W.P. Nicholson. So there's encouragement there, folks. And that's why we need to keep praying. Pray that God will move upon people where they are tonight. In their own homes or wherever. And pray that the Lord will save them. And bring them into his house. You see, whenever a person is saved, they get a hunger for God's word. It's like a wee baby when they're born, they're, they're hungry for the milk. And it's, it's just exactly the way it is when a person is born again. And mark my words, when someone is saved out there, then there'll be a hunger and, and that individual will seek for somewhere to find spiritual food. And the Lord can draw them into his house for the bread, for the spiritual bread. The profound moment that W.P. Nicholson experienced, he was gloriously saved in his mother's house on a Monday morning waiting for his breakfast. If the Lord can do that, on the 22nd of May, 1899, he can do it on the 3rd of April, 2022. He hasn't changed. Nicholson's God is our God. So don't listen to the devil's lies. Just believe God, trust in him and keep praying for your loved ones. W.P. Nicholson's mother who, um, by the way, she was, Campbell was her maiden name, so I don't know, maybe we should lay claim to be in some relation to W.P. Nicholson, I don't know. But, but I'm sure she was glad that she had prayed for her boy, and she kept praying for him. And just as God answered Hannah's prayers in the Bible, so the Lord answered the prayers of Nicholson's praying mother but folks tonight as we finish I want us to think not only about his praying mother and, and his profound moment but let me leave you with his personal motto his personal motto I'm talking about his text John chapter 3 and verse 30 he must increase but I must decrease you know, whenever W.P. Nicholson signed a photograph of himself, he would always write John 3 and 30 on the photograph. This verse is on his gravestone in Bangor, Clandy Boy Cemetery in the town of Bangor. John, 30, John 3 verse 30. The words aren't written on, on, the, on the gravestone, but it's the reference 
John chapter 3 verse 30, and it's found just after W.P. Nicholson's name. But this is his text. He must increase, but I must decrease. This was the motto of his life. These words were spoken by John the Baptist. That's who originally spoke them in our Lord's time. John the Baptist, he cried, he must increase, but I must decrease. Now the context of of these words is John is referring to a wedding. He's, He's speaking about a marriage. And of course we have a wedding in the church on Friday. And we're praying for the young couple that the Lord will be with them and bless them. Uh, and that the Lord will watch over them, not only a Friday, but throughout their, their married lives. But, but, but John here, he speaks these words, and, and there's wedding imagery. He uses terms that are associated with a wedding. Because, you see, he talks there in John chapter 3, if you look at verse 29, he talks about the bridegroom. Notice that. There's the bridegroom referred to in verse 29. Who's the bridegroom that he's talking about? Christ. The Lord Jesus is the bridegroom. Or we say today, today we don't say bridegroom, we just say groom. But whether you say bridegroom or groom, it's Christ. And then you've got the bride who's mentioned in the same verse. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. Who's the bride? The bride is the church. All those who are saved by God's grace. All those who are washed in the blood of the Lamb. And then John, he he talks about the friend of the bridegroom. In the same verse, verse 29. Not only the bride, not only the bridegroom, but then he says... The friend of the bridegroom. Who's that? The best man. I'm not sure who the best man is on Friday. But I'll tell you the best man here in John chapter 3 is John himself. And you know know how it is for a best man at a wedding. He wants all the attention to be on the groom. He wants the bridegroom to have the limelight. And that's the way it was for John the Baptist as far as his relationship to Christ was concerned. John wanted Christ to have the limelight. John wanted Christ to be magnified. John wanted Christ to have the glory. And folks, it was the same for W.P. Nicholson. This was his motto throughout life. He must increase, but I must decrease. Nicholson wanted Christ to increase. In other words, he wanted him to have the limelight. He wanted him to have the attention. He wanted him to have the glory. And you see, folks, whenever Christ gets the attention, when he gets the glory, when he's magnified, then souls are drawn to him. And the bride is increased and built up. And that was the desire of John the Baptist. That was the desire of W.P. Nicholson. 
And it should be our desire tonight. It's a personal motto. He must increase, but I must decrease. He, the bridegroom, I must decrease. It's a personal. I trust that is our motto tonight as believers. That we want Jesus to be magnified. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1 verse 20. That Christ shall be magnified in my body whether by life or by death. It's good to get to that stage where you say Lord Jesus. If you want me to live and glorify you. That's fine. But Lord by the same token if you want me to die and glorify you. That's also fine. Your will be done. As long, Lord, as you're magnified, then I'm happy. We've been thinking tonight about William Nicholson. But you know, I want to tell you about another William as we finish tonight. His name was William Carey, the great missionary. Do you know whenever Carey lay dying... He turned to a friend and said, When I am gone, don't talk about William Carey. Talk about William Carey's Savior. I desire nothing but that Christ alone might be magnified. There was another man who obviously had for his motto, He must increase, but I must decrease. Oh, the bitter shame and sorrow that a time could ever be when I let the Saviour's pity plead in vain and proudly answered, All of self and none of thee. Yet he found me, I beheld him, bleeding on the accursed tree, heard him pray, Forgive them, Father, and my wistful heart said faintly, Some of self. And some of thee, day by day, his tender mercy, healing, helping, full and free, sweet and strong and oh so patient, brought me lower while I whispered, less of self and more of thee. Higher than the highest heaven, deeper than the deepest sea, Lord, thy love at last has conquered Grant me now my soul's desire, none of self and all of thee.